Thanks for listening to this Word in Your Ear podcast. If you'd like to get early access to all our productions ad-free, priority booking for our live events, and to take part in our weekly quiz, go to patreon.com slash wordinyourear for more details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. You're listening to a podcast from The Word. No food. Yes, there was. Did you not get food? <laughs> you obviously well, got that's that not first. what I call food. <laughs> I had food. I had, I had some vegetarian falafel. No, I'm talking about food. And I had some, some lamb stew and mash. Where do you get lamb stew from? Well, that was, somebody else was bringing that around. Oh, right, and someone right. was bringing around fish as well. Oh, Salmon yeah, I've noodles. Been fish, yeah, but, you know, the tiny portions. Such awful food. And such tiny portions. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we're going. We're going. Has then Mark Allen got two mugs of tea? He's, a two, he's a two mug man. I had to get up really early. I have two mugs of tea. When I got in the office this morning, uh, first thing, Kate Mossman and I turned on the radio to hear Mark Allen on the Today programme involved in a debate with Alvin Stardust about the merits of the late Buddy Holly who died 50 years ago. 50 years ago, today, in February. That's right. Uh, and at one stage, I think I'm right in saying that Alvin Stardust drew himself up to his full height <laughs> and said that you were just a young man trying to make your I was name. A, was a, this sounds like a young reporter who's out of his depth trying to make a name for himself. <laughs> in, in which I interjected, I, I hope audibly, I'm, I'm loving the young bit. Because <laughs> Alvin was down the, front, the line. He was, he was uh, in snowbound Guildford. So he couldn't see your wind. So you couldn't see Bizarre. this silver-haired, superannuated old fool that he was dealing with. <laughs> Probably a lot older than him, actually. No, no it, was, it was very funny. And also, we were just myself and Ed Sturton and, and, uh, and Alvin Stardust down the line. And then John Humphreys magnificently joined in. Because they played a little, they played us in with a bit of, uh, you know, rave on or whatever it was, that'll be the day. And Humphreys added what I thought was a tremulous and quite moving harmony part to this oh, thing. Yeah. I wish the microphones had been out. It was absolutely fantastic. And I don't see John Humphreys like that. I can only see John Humphreys, obviously, as, a, you know, the, the kind of serious political analyst. But to see him, his eyes filling up with tears and single. And then he joined in the debate. He couldn't, he couldn't be left out of the debate. No, no. So he rolled up his sleeves and waded in, in favour of, because they were trying to basically make the point that I had no right to say that I found, uh, Buddy Holly's music curiously unmoving, 
which I do actually, man. I'm sorry, I'm going to apologise to all of you. I just, it doesn't move me. I mean, I, I didn't dispute his influence. Um, there's no question about the enormous influence he had, but, but, but Alvin Starr has got more and more and more irate. And also, I don't really care about winning the debate. Do you know what I mean? I'm not going to sit there and try and get the last word in. All right, I'll stuff you, Alvin. I just thought Alvin was highly entertaining. So there we are, it, Buddy Holly. It amused me that, that uh, Mark Ellen, you know, and you do often proudly say that you're always the, you're always the glass half full man, aren't you? You're never the person to go on a radio program yeah. and give somebody a kicking, are you? No. But so you waited until Buddy Holly had been in Clear Lake, Iowa for 50, 50 years. 50 long years. And then he thought, it's now safe. <laughs> to come out of my corner yeah, yeah. and have a go. He's got no, but, but also, I, I love the fact that the Today programmes, you know that they like to polarise debate, which is absolutely right. It makes tremendous entertainment. They, they don't tend to have people on there with, uh, with, with um, neutral opinions. They, they tend to have someone with an almost uh, evangelical and, and uncritical view of something. Uh, against a, a withering contemptuous cynic. And so, and what, and what they do, they, they set me up, and I, of course, I'm not very good at being withering contemptuous cynic, but they set me up by saying, and now also we're joined by Mark Allen, who's here to, if I can use the phrase, spit in church. Yes, I So that was absolutely marvellous. So my job was clearly to go windmilling into both Stardust and Holly on this rather, you know, rather, um, you know, touchy uh, occasion and uh, give them both a good old kicking. But I thought I just thought it was just so funny the idea that you're, you're you know you're just re- required to go in there and duff the old boy up, which I couldn't really do. No, no. So here we are, word podcast. The whole of Britain may have ground to a halt, but we haven't, have we, Matt Hall? No, we haven't, David Edwards. Matt Hall has slept on somebody's floor in order to be here this morning, haven't you? This is not incorrect. And uh, thanks to Matt's uh, enthusiastic embracing of twittering recently. <laughs> I know everything Matt did yesterday because he was sending me messages all the time. And the last one was, I'm rather enjoying a glass of Maker's Mark in bed. Didn't you? That was it. Was so, that last night? Yes, yeah, last, last night. After the folk awards. After the folk awards, you, you, yes. you retired with, retired. with, a, with four uh, fingers of fire water. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. So I could just picture yeah. Matt sitting there, you know, rather enjoying not having children crawling it was all over. brilliant. <laughs> I arrived at the word office yesterday and had to go out and have an alcoholic drink, but that's because I'd come in on a, on a bicycle, nine miles... You went out and had an alcoholic drink? Not immediately, Dave, but I made the others come with me at lunchtime to a public house. Oh, I was, I was ha- hoping well, that you meant you went and knocked up a local barman and got him to give you a drink at nine o'clock. One of the many boarded-up closed pubs around here. No, I came in on a bike. Came in about nine miles on a Which bike. Which is still on my desk. Unbelievably stupid thing to do because I mean, one false move, it's a broken arm. Can I? Um, oh, well, I consider this heroic. I hope you appreciate. Can we have a? Can we have a? To keep a physics magazine going. Can we have a physics pop quiz? Go on. I was just walking d- down the uh, down the market around the corner today, and I noticed somebody clearing the compacted snow and ice from uh, out of the front of their shop by pouring boiling water on it. Yeah! Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Chapel Market, ladies and gentlemen. Guess, does it refreeze about two minutes later? I think it probably did. M- much smoother and more perilous. <laughs> more glacious. <laughs> more glacious. I think you'll find that'll be more glacious, sir. That goes down really well, doesn't it? I didn't point what out. I alter. I didn't point out his classic schoolboy error. <laughs> so the nation ground to a halt yesterday. I walked down Palms Green High Street in the morning, and half the businesses were closed and half were open. And what was the theory I arrived at as the difference between the two? What do you think? Did the people who didn't open their shops have children? <laughs> I don't know about that. All I know is anything corporately owned was closed. 
anything owner-operated was open. That How? Word magazine is a really good example. <laughs> where, where Only did, an Asian news agent in London that was closed yesterday. Was mile after where mile. does a fried chicken franchise fall into that? Which cap do they fall into? That was, that was open, wasn't it? I would have thought top, yeah. yeah, possibly. W.H. Smith, closed. <laughs> Asian news agent across the road, open. Been open since four in the morning. Not a problem at all. <laughs> I think what happens nowadays with news, in the morning it doesn't tell you what's happened. It tells you what's about to happen. And it has an odd effect on people. Yeah. People wake up, the first thing they hear is Nicky Campbell or John Humphreys or whatever they listen to. Go, going, the nation in chaos. Happen. They just they just turn over, don't they? Blizzard Britain. <laughs> I, haven't I haven't tried this yet, but apparently um, there's, there's been a run on um, a particular item for defreezing the snow outside and the ice outside the, on your garden, st- on your um, front doorstep. They don't, you, you don't use salt anymore. Apparently cat litter, much cheaper, oh. and works just as well. What's the active yeah. ingredient? I don't know. Salt, presumably. Well, it's grit, isn't it? Cat litter yeah. is grit, isn't yeah. it? Well, I've just learned something. Why don't you tell that to the Minister of Transport, who was, who was being interviewed by John Humphreys just before I came on, giving the most monumental shoeing. <laughs> at one point, John Humphreys said, it, 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 he points out, good sir, that during the blitz, yes. the buses ran. Absolutely. Was really good. You should have interjected. If, if only you'd known, you could have gone cat litter, mate. Yeah, I could. I should have just wandered in like he did into our item. That would be perfect. I don't want to join in the rising storm of indignation, but the key issue was the buses. Yeah. The buses just didn't bother. Yeah. Now, the roads, as far as I could see, were perfectly drivable. Yep. Neighbours of mine were getting cars out and going down the road. And as soon as the buses are gone, you know, people can't find a way around the tubes. They Don't you think there's a, 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 boringly, there's probably a union element to that? The, the, the person who volunteers, hey, hey, guys, let's get in the, in the saddle and drive the buses. Oh, no. Oh no, somebody crosses the line. Do you know what I mean? What you don't want There's is somebody's... a lot of buses, to be fair. You know? There are a lot of buses. We could be voluntary. If, just if, people who want to drive a bus, drive a bus. I, I, I don't want to go. go. I've, I've always wanted to drive a bus. Yes, so do I. That's what they should do on snow like, days. Like they allow the volunteers like to drive the a bus. They should volunteer. Do you remember the famous time that Gaza drove a bus twice round uh, oh, Hyde Park Corner? I don't know about twice. Yeah. I, think, I think it's been through your colour and oh, well, oh, even once is sensational. Dave. He said, to, he said to the driver, I, I'm, I'll I'm, give I'm, you a few gas of gas going. Yeah, buy yourself something nice. Enormous high denomination. There's a fantastic. There's a fantastic. Uh, I think it's on YouTube, and I think it's Frank Ribery. And if not, then I'm, I'm very. I apologise to the uh, French footballer who um, jumped into the seat of the team bus and drove it. 300 yards. Oh, um, yes. And managed, managed to hit at least five stationary objects in that time <laughs> with all his teammates in the back of the bus cheering on. Quality. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They were counting. Result. And another. Did Cliff Richard really drive that bus in summer holiday? No idea. No, I think that was blue screen, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> CGI. CGI. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Cliff gets. Industrial light and magic. <laughs> now, this is the Word Magazine podcast, and, uh, and we were talking last week. Actually, we slightly missed last week because it was a rather busy week. But the week before, we were talking about drinks you have drunk. Oh, yeah. And reminiscing about the extraordinary stuff that we necked in our, uh, you know, in our salad days. And, uh, and various people have, have responded on this. Andrew Collins got in touch and told me, that um, he was once nearly thrown out of a pub round the corner from, uh, from the office we used to work in, in the West End, for accidentally making a snake bite. Because uh, he, he just knocked somebody's I glass my, of I drank my pint of draft Young's Pills down to the whole, whole halfway mark. I requested a half from whichever hack was getting them in. 
In the confusion of sharing the drinks out of the table, I accidentally picked up half a pint of cider and gaily poured it into my lager. The eagle-eyed landlord spotted this and informed me that his pub did not serve snakebite, and that if I persisted in making it myself, <laughs> I would be barred. I didn't realise it was such a controversial... Mixing your own cocktail. Yeah, it's, it's, it attracts the wrong crowd. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a rough crowd. Nick W. gets in touch uh, talking about Kingsley Amos, the poet laureate of alcoholism, when working as an ad copywriter... <laughs> A fiercely contested post, actually, but go on. Yes, absolutely. When working as an ad copywriter, one suggested for a client the slogan, Bowen's beer makes you drunk. That's brilliant. (laughs) Which is pretty good. Literally what what it says on the the tip. That's that's unambiguous, isn't it? And and Gaz gets... And it goes on at some length about about the bright bill that changed the licensing of of pubs, which he reckons was an attempt by the breweries to fend off the spectre of an entire generation of young people just taking ecstasy and going clubbing. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. No? Because, you know, we don't seem to have an ecstasy plague anymore, but we have an alcohol plague, don't yep. we, in the, in the centre of every, um, of every city in the UK. True. So, I don't know if he's got a point there at all. So. The Word. A magazine, a website, a podcast, a way of life. Uh, the Radio 2 Folk Awards, which you two, we both Matt did. and Mark, both we attended did. last yeah. night. Tell us what happened. Tell us the highlights. Oh, gosh. Highlights uh, many. Can I just go in uh, from the top before I forget? Because we were on the podcast, right? Rob Bryden, who I had a long conversation with beforehand. A, a marvellous conversation of people. Rob Bryden and Harry Shearer. Fantastic. Isn't that fantastic? It was brilliant. And um, Rob and Bryden listens to our podcast and described a moment when he, he, he was lying in bed, 2 o'clock in the morning, and Jude Rogers... We're talking about even more. Oh, sorry, let me read that. I'll make Jude Rogers. Jude just shut up. his ear. Sorry, Jude and Rob, if you're both listening. No, he was listening to Jude Rogers on the podcast. That's a bit of the highlights pack. Sorry, hello, Jude. It came out all wrong. Oh Lord, and yeah, and he said he was. It was how moved he was to hear himself being discussed, and indeed applauded. And, uh, and it's what a lovely fellow. It reads the magazine so religiously, he was quoting back whole chunks of stuff that he'd read. Isn't that marvellous? Sorry, I just... Does, no, that's fine. does the best impression of Bruce Springsteen. His impre- impression of Bruce Springsteen is fantastic. What he does before he's even started doing that, which I can't possibly do, uh, is he juts his chin, chin out. He's already quite pronounced chin. Yeah. And that's already got it. That kind of... The chin. Yeah, and, and he has this thing that Bruce Springsteen always laughs at things that aren't really very funny. He comes on stage and says, Hey, a lot of people in one room. <laughs> of course there's a lot of people in one big room. It's sold out. You did know. you, uh, as an aside, did you see uh, the boss's um, halftime Super Bowl um, extravaganza? No, he asked me about that. Oh, we got to talk about that. No, what happened? Come on. Was, can I interrupt? Go on, right. Go on. It was fantastic. I thought it was fantastic. It was unbelievable. There was... There was Twelve so, minutes, Mark. Yeah. He, he tore it up and threw it down and gave it a real good stamping. He really did. What he did came he play? On. What song did he play? Uh, he played... Four songs in 12 yeah. minutes. That's oh what you have God. to do. That's, it's Can I just give a bit of background on this, actually? I'm going to go back. Because the NFL used to let MTV do this. Yeah. A half-time show. And then they had the catastrophe with the Janet wa- Jackson. They had the wardrobe malfunction. Justin yep. Timberlake. Yep. And they thought, this is stupid. Don't let them do it anymore. We'll do it ourselves. So since then, they have had... Prince, yep. the Rolling Stone, yep. Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, yep. and this year, after years of trying, Bruce Springsteen. Yep. So this, is, this has now become the biggest plug spot in the United States. Yeah. 
particularly a week after an ele- uh, you know new president field yeah, and so forth. Yeah. You know, so being able to perform, it, can you can you drill your entire career down to four songs in twelve minutes? Hell of a challenge. Anyway, um, he also. He, he, put, he had his testifying hat on at the start and came out with the most, the most fantastic introductory line. Step away from the guacamole and, <laughs> put, and put down the chicken dippers. <laughs> That's good. You're about to feel the righteous fury of the E Street Band. <laughs> <laughs> honestly, honestly, no, I've no, never seen it. Really, mate, I don't know what I've been thinking this morning. <laughs> you can see it on YouTube. You can see it on YouTube. Because <laughs> he knows that everybody in the United States who has access to a television, is at that moment has access watching, to guacamole. And, and they will yeah. invariably have a yeah. large pot of guacamole. A massive bucket of fried chicken. And, and a massive bucket right. of fried chicken. But what, it, what was striking about it to me is that, you know, Bruce Springsteen starts traditionally on stage, they're fairly kind of high tempo, but this was different. Mm. This was, if you're doing 12 minutes, you're starting at full speed. You, you don't have time to get them on your side. Absolutely. You've got to do it. I think I timed it. He was standing on the piano within 20 seconds. <laughs> Where'd you go from the, there? He'd the <laughs> actually on the piano did the old, you know, is anybody alive out yeah, there? You know, yeah. completely gone with him. And one of the things that made me think was, here's the future of live music. The great thing about the old package tours that I used to remember was everybody just did four <coughs> or five numbers. Yeah. So there's nobody in the world that you won't tolerate for four or five numbers. So this is what you're going to do in the future, okay? I want you to picture this, okay? The stationary package tour, okay? Large Wembley Stadium, big outdoor venues, okay? Four stages, one each side, right? So all stage all over stones there. are playing the Springsteen setting up. First, yeah. yeah. Well, it's all set up beforehand. <laughs> oh, four stages. 60,000 people in there or whatever. First turn, the Rolling Stones. Second turn, Robbie Williams. Third turn, Radiohead. Fourth turn, Bruce Springsteen. Here's the wrinkle. 500 pence. Yeah. You pay it. People who would pay it. Once in their life, they're going to go along and they're not going to be bored. So it's going to you know be, a, a they're going to be absolutely just taken by the, you know, scruff of the neck and whirled round for two hours. I think they'd do it. They would do it. It's like a, a very, very amplified version of Later with Jules Holland, presumably. Yes. <laughs> but also, you know, just to start, because the point is, if people start with one of their big hits, it's, it's you know, really kind of, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's answering the challenge, isn't but it? But don't you think that one of the attractive features of the, of the, of the construct of Later with Jules Holland is it's competitive? It's really competitive, because you can't... If you're playing to just your own crowd, you can start with the terrible B-side that the bassist wrote and you feel contractually obliged oh, yeah. before. But if you're, if you're about to be followed by whoever, you know, Radiohead or something, you've got to absolutely go in, you know... All guns blazing. Yeah, absolutely, you hit the, hit the ground running. So it's, so, it's astonishing. Anyway, back to the Radio 2 Folk, folk Wars. Was yeah. it similarly gripping? Um, well, the thing that was amusing, I kind of... This is the first time I've, I've been to the Radio 2 Folk Wars, but I have heard about it before after... Mark and uh, others have reported back for the podcast. And um, the, th- the thing, I was very excited to see Harry Shearer in the room because I think Harry Shearer is a, a comedy genius. Spinal Tap, Mighty Winds, Voice Simpsons. of the Simpsons, a really good podcast regularly. Um, but he came out. Game. Gonna do he came out. Game. Well, I'm going to ask you to do the opening game right. because I don't know if people can remember or if they want to go back to this time last year and dig out the podcast where. Um, Steve Harley was torn a new one by Mark Ellis. <laughs> oh, 
for doing a, a, a particular gag. For doing a particular gag. Where is he now? About 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 um, mistaking the name and the uh, purpose of the awards that he was going to, and getting folk mixed up. With another fuck. word beginning with F and ending in K. Tiresome joke. It's a tiresome joke. Yeah. What joke? Basically what got... gag did Harry Shearer start with last it's night? Such a gag, but, it, it, but I think I think in my defence, it, it, it made the point that it, even though it's a terrible gag, um, you know, in Steve Harley's case, as you know, it, it fell flatter than the flattest thing imaginable. There was there was there was, there was tumbleweed <laughs> rolling through that room. Yes, and just the sound of a distant church bell. Still the defence and the rooks, etc. And uh, it really was frightful. But, but Harry Shearer, being a complete comedy genius, managed to make this very lame gag. What, what he actually said was, I, I had no idea. I'd rather misunderstood. I thought this was a awards for the um, adult film entertainment Yay! industry. And hurry. And he, said, and he pulled a piece of paper out of his... Uh, his I, ha- I have my, uh, my, my results here. I said, and best threesome... Uh, goes to a film called The Curious Case of Benjamin Butt. <laughs> Somehow this seemed really amusing. I don't know why. But uh, Harry Shearer was absolutely fabulous, wasn't he? And then, the, and then, of course, but then Rob Brydon came out and topped it with another gag along the same lines, because Harry Shearer started off with, well, he was, he was I, I, need, I, need, I need to have a word with my people when I get back to L.A. Rob Brydon came out and said, I also need to have a word with my people, because I thought that I was giving... Um, Giving a, an, an award for uh, the best cutlery. See, that's not a strong joke either. Actually, <laughs> See, I though, thought that was yeah. really good. Oh, you like that one? <laughs> oh, right. Look, actually, Rob Brydon, and I can't really, I can't do justice to his speech because it was so fantastic. But what he did was he went into this great soliloquy about how much he loved uh, James Taylor and how James Taylor had stood in the wings watching James Taylor play that number. And this was his big moment with James Taylor. And James Taylor had walked past him. He built up this big yeah. moment. I was going to remember was And how James Taylor had simply walked past him without uh, even uh, acknowledging And how he had le- now left the room and was doing press. In and how he now left the room doing press. So he goes <laughs> to this fantastic thing. And it was so sweet. And just talks about it. And how, at one point, sort of, you know, really quite movingly, reads out or memorised, you know, lyrics that, that he, he'd done that had affected him so much. And then in the middle of this, James Taylor comes back into the room. And so then oh my God, he's back. He's back, and, it, and then takes up his seat right underneath the microphone that Rob Bryden is doing. At which point, Rob Bryden pr- proceeds to castigate him for not doing the songs yeah. that he so actually wished he'd done. Thanks so much for doing, uh, what did you do, Carolina and my mind. Yeah, yeah, so, so great that you play the obvious ones. Uh, no mention at all, of course, and then a catalogue <laughs> of songs that he ought to have played. It was simply brilliant, wasn't it? And then, of course, of course, as James Taylor is American, he then had to say, I'm joking, of course, because of that danger that Americans won't understand what on earth you're talking about. But, oh, no, just full of... I, 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 one of the things I love about the Folk Awards is, is that it can, it can open with, with phrases you're not going to hear anywhere else in the world, uh, like when the leader of the Demon Barbers comes on and announces that, I'm sorry, but one of our clog dancers was unable to attend tonight. <laughs> and then you know, Dave, you know what kind of event it's going to be. It was absolutely... Good. So, highlights? I thought Mel uh, of... I can't pronounce her... Um, Mel Goodrich. Goodrich, is it? Mel of Mel and Sue um, made a fantastically funny speech when she talked about getting up in the morning in, 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 the blizzard, in Blizzard Britain, in fact. So, phrase. And uh, the old lady across the road helping her strap holly branches round the tyres of her car as a kind of makeshift chain, <laughs> snow chain. How, how she felt this was very folk. <laughs> so that was really, really good. Um, I thought James Taylor's speech was fantastic. He, 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 he used a lovely expression. He said, "So lovely to be to be young." How do you come out sound like Bob Dylan? Just be like that at all? It's my, it's my American accent. He said, "So lovely to be read in like that," which is another nice uh, way of acknowledging um, Rob. Is Ryan. he just over here for that? Uh, I think, so, I think yeah. so, yeah. But what he said was, he said, I want to thank so and so. He said, I also want to thank my wife. Said, What's more important than peace in the valley? <laughs> which was really, really good expression. 
And Steve Winwood, I thought, was funny. He was talking about how his association with folk. He said, I'm, I'm at the twisted mushroom pixie end of the folk spectrum, which I thought was quite funny. That was good. And um, what else happened? There was a, there was a lovely, um, lovely, lovely... Uh, Billy Bragg not being there because he'd had a, an argument with an articulated lorry. I thought it was quite good. The fact yep. that he couldn't make but he's it. all right. But he's all right. And another thing about the folk music is the sheer quantity of people on stage. And there are 11 members of Bellowhead. Actually, they didn't get up and play this year, but it's rather fantastic to see 11-piece groups. But when the Demon Barbers got up, there are, in fact, 14 of them, aren't there? Yeah. Um, I, like, I, I like an outfit that has a horn section and a clog section. A clog section. Five clog dancers. And Jim Moray played a version of um, Andy Partridge of XTC's um, All of You Pretty Girls. Fabulous. Which was, that, that was, the, that really was my the highlight. highlight. That really squeeze was. box and horn section. Just absolutely terrific. Uh, my other highlight, though, has to be uh, Judy Collins' um, speech. Oh, right. Where um, she informed us that uh, landmines are bad. Yeah, you tweeted me. As Princess Diana, apparently... Uh, informed the world and that nobody was aware of that fact right. before no, we all, Princess We all Diana. took something away from the event. Uh, but, and also the clothes interest me too because they, they used, they're getting less traditional. There used to be a lot more kind of smock action and a lot more beards. And now the, the young folk musicians are kind of being encouraged to, to become almost tailored. Jim Morrow was wearing a pair of bright scarlet patent leather shoes. Did you see that? Uh, they've been styled. And uh, been yeah. styled. And was wearing a fabulous kind of DJ with a silk tape trim around it. And, all, and also Steve Woodward. I, I, just, I adore Steve Woodward. He was a big deal for me when I was a kid. And there he is now. He still looks absolutely fabulous. And he looks like a sort of, well, Matt, Matt, much like yourself, actually. Because he looks like a, a, a country gentleman who's just come back from a bit of tarmacan shooting, isn't he? It's a tweed jacket, an old pair of cords, you know. An immensely attractive young girl with Tarmagan. Tarmagan. I think that's his wife. Oh, that's his wife, right. Okay. Tarmagan being a, 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 correct me if I'm wrong, but being a ground dwelling bird, so that'll be a bit, of a, a bit of a bloody shoot. How are you, country folk? You <laughs> caught me out again. Paul! God, got my foot again. Get up, Amongst your Twitters, Matt, amongst your Twitters from the event last night was. That Aid Edmondson had made some presentation or something like yeah. that, and I rather ungenerously responded, "Does that mean that Ella Edmondson is also <laughs> on the bill? Because uh, she's a daughter, yes. isn't she? Just put a record out." Yes, but she wasn't. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. Um, the, interestingly, the, the, there were there are other well-known people in the audience who were weren't, were not there to give awards and were not there I to. Who? Charles Dance was there just for the pleasure of being there. I really He's was, been yeah. given awards in the past, yeah. actually. But yeah, obviously he likes the big, event so much that just now comes along and, and uh, enjoys himself. Just thought of another thing Harry Shearer said, was, it was great. He was talking about um, the difference between Spinal Tap and the Folksman, who are the, 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 the group that uh, the three Tap members uh, play, of course, in, in A Mighty Wind. And he said, the irrelevant folk music was just so quiet. And you can hear the other members of the group. He says, when you're playing in a rock band, he said, you're so loud that the other members of the group are just a rumour. <laughs> that was a really good phrase. And the exciting news, of course, uh, spat, uh, tap aficionados, that they are recording new material. <laughs> you just, you just been, ah, ah, oh, I had such a funny conversation with him. recording a new album. Yeah, yeah, I had such a funny conversation with him about opera, because before we went in, his wife uh, has been playing with... Um, She's with Richard, Richard Thompson. Thompson. She's that's in right. Band, and has made a record. And uh, he, Judith Owen. Yeah, Judith Owen, that's right. And her father was a, a, an opera singer, or still alive, she is an opera singer. And we had such a funny conversation. Trying to, she was trying to convince myself and Harry Shearer that we ought to like opera. And Harry Shearer, who's married to her, who's obviously just you know, dug his feet in and said, I, I will have nothing to do with this at all. 
And that was highly entertaining, with Rob Brydon, of course, joining in as well. And uh, it finished up with Rob Brydon and Harry Shearer doing their opera impersonation. How do you not like opera? One affectionately. I don't like opera. Now, well, you're wrong. No, I'm not wrong. You're just wrong. No, I'm not. No, no, listen. Do you like it, any other music that you don't understand the words to? Yeah, loads of, I listen, loads of African music I don't understand no, I don't. the words to at all. Um, how, how are you possibly getting by, Matt, in your domestic life without doing the thing that all middle-class couples now do on Saturday nights, which is, as they're cooking, playing a bit of opera <laughs> in the background? That's ever since, ever since the movie Fatal Attraction, ever since Glenn Close's Kitchen, you know, they pour yourself a large glass of Cabernet Sauvignon and stick on, you know, um, you know Puccini in the background. That's become identified as the great, do you great do kind that? of middle-class... Dream fulfilment. Yeah, I do that. Yeah, Saturday night in our house, classic it's FM is always on. Classic FM is always on, and there's, there's usually really obvious bits, you know, the Pearl Fisher's duet or whatever. Nothing too taxing. Isn't there a problem though, Matt? Back me up with two things. One, the uh, pathetically superficial nature of the narratives, and B, the awful noise they make. I'm with you on both <laughs> of those. I could, given time, I could probably come up with a list of ten top ten <laughs> reasons. Harry Shearer's impersonation of, a, of, of an opera singer is so fantastic. It starts like, a, which I can't possibly do, but it starts like a sort of like a huge engine being kicked out of. A slightly disparaging look from his wife, you know. But it's obviously it's a debate that rages. Now, the narratives are no more stupid than Shakespeare's narratives, are they? Um, you, no, clearly people do lose their handkerchiefs and have an argument over a tension note. Dress up <laughs> the opposite sex and hide behind curtains. They do, and wear them. strange tights and cross Mysteriously gardens. become donkeys and in the middle of the night. <laughs> While we're a dream. Before we get too far from the subject of folk music, have you? I, I caught the second instalment of Folk America, which has been running Fantastic. on BBC Four. The, the second one called This Land, called This Land is you your one with Pete Seeger in it. I thought it was absolutely <laughs> oh, remarkable. Incredible. I thought it was one of the best bits of simple historical that. documentary telly I've ever seen. Brilliant. It, it really kind of, it was equal to the complexity of the issue, wasn't it? You know what I mean? It didn't try to do it in a really kind of dead obvious fashion. And it was just extraordinary to me, the kind of, you really saw the kind of tug of war for the, for the soul of folk music over that, you know, over that 50 year period, you know, with everybody trying to claim that, that it was theirs, you know what I mean? Well, the, the, uh, the highlight of that, if, uh, I thought, was the story of the Weavers, which I didn't know the, uh, the detail. Of that. I only knew a kind of sketchy version of it. The Weavers, who most of them were still alive, the wonderful singer, the girl, who yeah, was yeah, just so funny. This is a group formed by um, Pete Seeger and, and three others. They had a lot of success with, with um, you know, fairly upbeat kind of, um, uh, sort of folk hymns of the time. Then came this extraordinary uh, twist in their fortunes, which is that they were outed, I think there's no other word, as communists uh, at a time when, I remember if you've, anyone listening has read Bob Dylan's Chronicles, the first installment of his autobiography, it's a bit in that where Dylan talks about being at school in America in the 1950s and being told that the, the whole mythology of the kind of Cold War Russia, that, that, that there was something that nobody understood, it was a sinister presence, it was going to attack the United States, the United States were under constant threat. Uh, of nuclear invasion, and to avoid nuclear invasion, Dylan and his classmates were encouraged to 
practice what they do, which of course was to put their hands over their heads and hide under the tables and desks. Duck, duck and, and cover. cover. Duck and cover, exactly. That was the advice. So Dylan, you know, and like everyone else, inherited this idea of this horrific spectral presence of, of communist Russia. So to be in any way associated with communism, or to be left-wing, I mean, they made the most appalling, black-and-white, crass, reductive assumptions about Seeger. They go from enormous commercial success and radio um, play to unemployable. Am I right, though? But, um, Un- yeah, Im- yeah. Pretty much unemployable. But who, do- but who dogged him in it, though, Mark? Well, nice. <laughs> this is the point I'm going to make. Sorry, this annoys me. I, I actually said to my wife, I, I really feel... Quite, we must go up to the attic and say, I know I've got a Burl Ives record. I'm going to have to take it down. I'm going to have to burn it. No! Oh, no, Dave! Lives out by name, Pete Seeger, on a national television broadcast. He does, does, Dave. Let's be fair. Name's name. The interesting, the more interesting story, even than the Weavers, is the story of the Almanac singers who came before them, who were the kind of late 30s, very left political songsters, whatever, who made the tragic mistake and were caught out by the Hitler, Hitler's Stalin <laughs> pack. Don't they? You know, so they, they lined up, you know, they, they lined up on one side at the, at the beginning of the Second World War and then immediately found themselves on the wrong side, yeah. didn't they? And then switched. And over their tunes. So which goes to show, never take political guidance from a pop star yeah. of any kind, ever. You know, because all they're trying to do is it's get their going. I like the, the the bits that the bits that I especially liked in that program were the amazing footage which I've never seen before of Lead Belly and Alan Lomax with Lead Belly kind of shucking and jiving. Out. And what an enormous physical presence Lead Belly is. He and must then, be about six foot four. Like and then the whole thing wolf. about Alan Lomax and Lead Belly is uh, was it Lomax's granddaughter? Um, put it kind of having a falling out, and I was thinking, what that Alan Lomax must have had some cojones in order to lay down the law to led to lay, yeah. lay down the law to a six foot seven convicted murderer <laughs> who he managed to spring from Nick. I thought it was just yeah. a brilliant program. I loved the um, the story of Josh White, the the whose son is interviewed, blue singer, yeah, yeah, whose son who's very good, very funny and articulate, and he kind of come from the south and decided, you know, I, I'm not going to pick cotton, I'm not going to be a blues singer anymore, I well, want to be a popular entertainer, I want to play nightclubs. Didn't whatever. just didn't just come from the south, but has made his, made his living as a child, taking a, uh, acting as uh, acting as kind of like the seeing guide dog for blind blues singers yeah, yeah. traveling around the but south. He's seen lynchings at the yeah, age yeah, yeah. of eight and just terrible things, and decided, you know, there's not, I don't, I do not want anything to do with this. And so if I have to kind of, uh, you know, style myself and open my shirt and be a little bit more of a kind of uh, middle-of-the-road entertainer, I will do that. Being criticised by <laughs> rambling Jack Elliot, yeah. whose real name is Elliot Adnapoz, and he's the son of a doctor from New York City. You know, nothing, nothing more bourgeois and, and, and white than rambling Jack Elliot. You know, so it's this perpetual tension between you know, black entertainers who understandably want to get on and they're white college kids. And all these people were the sons and daughters of quite well of people. Pete Seeger, Woody Guthrie, Lomax, you know, himself had had a, a fortune and then lost it in the 1929 crash. All wanting to borrow a bit of the authenticity, you know, and trying to keep people 
back in place. It's an astonishing programme. That goes on all the time. I remember there used to be a blues festival called Bishopstock in, uh, in Devon, and, and when I worked at VH1, I did a programme you know, with Pip Dan, and we went yes. down there to make a film about it. And uh, one of the people, um, she, we just divvied up the interviews, and she got Taj Mahal. She said, what am I going to ask Taj Mahal? I said, oh, it's simple. I'll write you a couple of questions. So I scribbled down some stuff on a bit of paper. My first question was, um, you know, Taj, comma, um, you know, you studied blues. Uh, I, I, I think it was an MA, actually, at university, you know, and it was all leading do you know what, Dave? That didn't play very well. <laughs> Taj Mahal did not want to come across as somebody who studied blues at university. He was a highly educated, middle-class student, basically. He wanted to come across as, you know, quite rightly, as a kind of rambling, you know, man of the soil, you know. And uh, it was a c- catastrophic interview. All I can remember was Pepper coming up to me at the end and saying, Thanks very much. <laughs> I don't think read it, actually. So anyway, it's a, it's a brilliant film. If you get an opportunity to see it, it's on the, probably still on the BBC iPlayer, um, you know, for, for the next few days. Uh, and uh, before we close, um, yesterday was the, the transfer deadline in, the, in, in football, and, you know, Spurs, you know, managed to uh, get Robbie Keane again at the last minute. And uh, sadly, The Guardian came in at the last minute uh, to take... Uh, to take away from us, Matt Hall, who's going to be no longer able to take part in these podcasts. Yeah. Can we, at this point, edit in the sound of violins? <laughs> or maybe just sort of try and synthesise the sound of violins? This is a very sad day. It's a very sad you day. You will no longer hear, for contractual and legal reasons, the yes. voice of <laughs> Matt Hall. <laughs> it's such a hot property. <laughs> they, you know, they can't bear us to continue with the, you know, with the... The remarkable advantage of Matt's services. Absolutely. But, uh, it's been a gas, Jeff. It has. Good. It has indeed. This podcast was brought to you by The Word. Details at wordmagazine.co.uk. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.